Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for our lives. Thank you for our friends. Thank you for our families. And thank you, Lord, even that you've gathered us here today in the fellowship. Lord, if any one of us, Lord, has committed sin in your presence, Lord, may you forgive us. May you wash us with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. For it is written, Lord, that if we say that we are without sin, then we make God a liar, and the truth is not in us. We stand before you asking you that may you please forgive us of all of our unrighteousness, and may you have mercy upon us. Lord, even as we are here, we've gathered here because of you, not because of our strength. You've, you've led our feet to this place because we believe that you want to speak to us, because we believe that you have a word for every one of us. And dear precious Lord, we are willing to hear this word. And Father, I pray that let this be a day that you visit every one of us and lift the burden that is on our shoulders, give direction and purpose to our lives and lead us in the way that you want us to go. We thank you, dear Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we take our seats, please? Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you today about uh, something the Lord that has been putting on my heart for a while now. And um, it, is still, it is still on the subject of faith, but um, what God calls great faith. I think I like to put it this way, is that your, your current life and what's happening with you is directly proportionate to the, to the measure of faith that you have in the Lord right now. So in other words, you are a direct reflection of the faith that you have in the Lord. Now, our lives cannot rise up beyond the measure of faith that we have in the Lord. And most importantly, the measure of persistence that we will demonstrate in the eyes of God. You have to know that all of us have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus, from the smallest of them to the greatest of them, from the poorest to the very richest. God does not look at us and think that others are better than you. He doesn't look at us that way. In the eyes of God, we have all been purchased by the same blood. We've all received the same grace. But what separates us in the presence of God, what really separates you from everybody else is how you choose to look at God. And, and that's where I want to draw your attention, is that where and how you choose to look at God. And that's what makes a difference. For God loved you so much that he gave up Jesus Christ to die. But there, there are two things that you have to be able to understand is that the law, the, the natural world is defined by laws. We all know that. But the realm of the spirit is equally defined by laws. And you have to know them. You cannot work in the realm of the spirit basing on probability. So the realm of the natural, for example, you cannot walk on air. It's not possible. You cannot walk on water except by faith. It's not possible. You can't. You can't stand in the middle of the road and expect a truck not to knock you that it will not see you, it will crush you, you know? You can't get a piece of charcoal, or fire, and put it in your pocket, and you think it will not burn you. It will burn you. These are, these are just the natural laws that God has put in place. Now, I've always given you this example, that if you leave this place and go to another country, which is new, and they speak a different language, you don't even know anyone there, okay? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think the town is going to adjust to you? or you are going to adjust to the town. You have to be able to adjust to the town. You must learn their language. You must find a map. Someone must take you around. You must understand the currency. That, that's just, it's just practical knowledge. But this is the sad reality. We come into Jesus Christ. We come into salvation. But we are not deliberate about finding out the laws that govern salvation. 
But the laws are there. Now, the universal system will tell you that the more you save, okay, the more you'll have, the better you're able to plan for tomorrow. But you see, in the realm of the spirit, the laws are different. The more you give, it's the more you give, it's the more you get. That's just how it works. The banks will tell you here, you need to save. But God says, give and it shall be given unto you. These ones will say, save more. We are willing to pay you interest on how much money you're able to save on a fixed deposit account. They want you to put your money there and let it wait. But the Lord is saying for you to be able to receive, you must be able to release more. Now, unfortunately, we come into salvation and we want to live by the laws of the banking system and still expect that God is going to bless us and prosper us. I don't know if I'm making sense. Is that, but there are laws. If you're born again, find out. And, and here is the law. The laws are here. They're in the word of God. If you're born again, then this is the manual. It is the user manual. Now when God relates with you, and everything that God will ever do with you or through you or for you, it will be based on the manual. It will not be based on the natural laws. So now we are torn between, we are torn between the natural laws that govern the universe in which we live, okay, and the spiritual laws to a faith in which we have been born into. And now we are torn between two. And then the Lord looks at you, and that's why, that's why the Bible says that you're not of the world. Reason is, yes, you may live here, but if you subscribe to salvation, then you must live your life entirely on what God says in his word. So, we perish for lack of one thing, for lack of knowledge. But how shall we find the knowledge? The knowledge is in the word of God. So, for example, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.2, the just shall live by faith. God expects that you must live by faith, but unfortunately, the world wants you to live by sight. So, and this is where salvation becomes a bit difficult. And, and this is because we are living a life of the world, but we are believing the Lord, but want him to do things for us according to the system of the world. I don't know if, is it, making, is it adding up? I want it to add up because I'm trying to lay a foundation for what I'm going to tell you. Yes, you are, you are sick. And the Lord says, ask and you shall receive. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. So now, a believer, what a believer will do, he knows very well what the word of God says. The Lord says, I am the Lord who healeth thee. But the believer will first go and buy medication, swallow it, then come to Pastor Mark and say, Pastor Mark, I'm really not feeling well. Please pray for me. You need to choose a side. It's either you're believing the Lord will heal you or you're believing that God will heal you through medicine. Do, do you see the difference? But don't mix the two. You, you can't, you can't, it's either you're living by the world system or you're living by the faith system. So the problem with church today is that we have got one leg this side and we've got one leg this side. And that's a real, real serious problem. In other words, we are willing to work with God regarding certain things, but when it comes to other matters, we are willing to go with the world system. And this is what the problem is. But the truth is this, you cannot be both in New York and in Kampala at the same time. It's just not possible. It's either you're in New York or you're in Kampala. It's that simple. So I think that believers, there has to be a shift. We must, all of us, make a conscious effort to shift. And you know, your shifting process may take a while, but let it happen, for God's sake. I don't know how long you've been born again, but maybe you've never taken the shift, for God's sake. But if you're a, if you're a believer, you must live entirely on the word of God. 
entirely on the word of God. The word of God must define how you think. It must define how you dress. It must define how you make friends. It must define how you name your children. It must define your relationship. It must. But you see, now let me be frank and let me ask you a question. Everyone here has a tribe, right? What culture of things do you do that belong to your tribe? There are so many, isn't it? How many of you are giving out your daughters in marriage today? You still want to do a kuhinjira and make it so big, but the kuhinjira is not there in the Bible. Am I making sense? So in other words, we are living both as people of the world and people who also believe in Jesus Christ. Now, Satan takes advantage of that. So th th there are areas regarding our lives which we have allowed to bring completely under the word of God. But then there are areas in our lives which we are saying, no, 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 God should not touch this. So when it comes to your tradition, when it comes to your culture, when it comes to the things that you are so used to, you're saying, don't touch. For us, this is my family, this is my culture, this is what we've been doing for years. You're saying, don't touch. But it, on the other hand, you're saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And, and that's where the problem is today. So if you are for Jesus Christ, be for Jesus Christ. No man who puts his hand on the plow and looks back his feet for service. If you choose today that you are a believer, maybe today we need to get born again afresh. Because if you are born again, then your life entirely, entirely should be about the word of God. Entirely. And, and you know, and this is what makes it difficult for us to believe. Faith has never been a problem. The problem is that we are standing here, then you're standing here. You're, you're, you're on crossroads. So it makes it difficult to believe. But I've, I've never seen a person who threw themselves completely in the hands of God and God failed them. Look at your life and look at your life. There has come a time in your life when you have got nowhere else to go, no one to turn to, no one to call on the phone, no friend, no relative. And then you throw yourself completely in the hands of God and say, Lord, it's up to you. And if I perish, I perish. Do you remember those days? Now that's faith. And do you know what happened? Is that God did not fail you. Because I'm yet to see Jesus fail somebody, and he can't fail you. But, but the reason why we sort of experience temporary success and temporary peace and everything temporary is for one reason. It is because we are still subscribing to two systems, the system of the world and the system of the Lord. It's impossible to live in two. For instance, you can't say that you are believing God to build your house and your eyes are on the money which is in the bank. That's not faith. Do you see what I mean? That's not faith. That, that's you trying to think you're living by faith, but that's not faith. Do you know what faith would have you do? Faith would have you pray and believe God without a single coin. I'll tell you how faith works. I've given you this testimony before. There was a time I wanted a piece of land. I didn't have a piece of land to myself, but I said I need to have land. So we go to my village, and then my mother says, there's this property, and, and you need, some guys are selling land. We go there. I think I went to some members here who had gone home. We went. We walked around this land. We met the owners. To be honest with you, it's only the guys who were with me who knew I didn't have money. To the villagers, I looked like I had the money. Because we had showed up in, in cars and they said, this is it. The rich men have come. But I did not have a coin. As a matter of fact, we were struggling with fuel. Fuel, but they didn't know that. So we show up and they're taking us around the land. We walk around the land. We ask questions. I wanted them to show me the boundary. There was not a coin in my pocket. There was not a coin in my mobile money. I didn't even have a coin in the bank. 
We walked around the land. After walking around the land, we sat down at the mango tree and we began to negotiate. We began to negotiate the sum of money. I negotiated well. This is the real testimony. 2018, we negotiated the land per acre. It was over 100 acres. Yes, it wasn't one acre, 100 plus. I negotiated the piece of land, and then I told them, I am going to give you money on this date. Meanwhile, do I think I know where it's coming from? I have no idea. I said, I will give you money on this date. And I left. To show you the greatness of God, on that date, that exact date, I had sent them money. I, 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 I need you to understand that you have to make a shift. It is either you're with Jesus Christ completely, or you are not. But the reason why we are not able to believe, it is because one leg is here and one leg is here. So now I was trying to help you understand that you can't subscribe to two systems. You can't live here and go to New York. Then you say, you go with your Uganda shillings and you go to a shop and then you're saying you want to buy bread. And then you're insisting, but this is the man I have. Why aren't you taking the money? It could be a million shillings but they will not take it, they will not understand it, because your money does not work there. You need to go and exchange it. That's why they are Forex Bureaus. Exchange your money into a currency they understand. So just how much of salvation, how much of Jesus Christ do we understand? Because if we knew how powerful our God is, if we knew, if only we knew a tiny fraction of this God, have you ever been to the villages and then you know there's this person who has got an uncle who is a soldier and then the uncle comes back to the village during Christmas time and he's just walking around his military fatigue. He might even be humble. But don't look at the man. Look at those walking around him. There is a way they walk. <laughs> you may think that they are the ones who are soldiers. Have you not seen that? Do you know what that is? It's called power by affiliation. There's something they know. The, the, the man may not even have a gun. The man may be in his sandals. I mean, he just wants to walk around the village. But you see, because they've been saying, I have an uncle who is a soldier, wait and see. You know, now they want to bring him solve problems. Maybe there was a property they were fighting over. Then they tell the guy, no, 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 instead of passing, let's pass here. Then they bring the man, they just passing by the caprice of land. Then the neighbors say, oh, the man has come. Oh, the man has come. We need to run. Haven't you seen that in the village? Now, what about us? who know the Son of God. How, what about us who know Jesus Christ, the one who made everything that you see, the one who determines whether that sun comes out or it doesn't, the one who determines when it rains and how much rain is given to a particular place, the one who determines whether you live or you die. Just think about that for a moment. Just think about Jesus Christ for a moment. And, and imagine he comes down from heaven to die and die for who? He died for just you as a person. Jesus never died for anybody collectively. That's the reason why we all have to accept Jesus Christ independently. If Jesus Christ had died for everybody collectively, then it should be a blanket that because he died, automatically all of us are born again. But they didn't die like that. Jesus Christ died for individuals, you as a person. That's the reason why you accept him as you as a person. So if now, if this is Jesus and he's this powerful, then why is it that we, his children, are living pathetic lives? Let's be frank. Why are we living the most painful and the most embarrassing of lives? Is it because God 
is too weak? Has his hand become too short that he cannot save? Has his ear become too closed off that he cannot hear when we pray? Has, what has happened to salvation? Just, just what happened? What happened? Is salvation something that we walk in and these days it is so cheapened that, that there is no demonstration of power anymore? What happened? Do you know what the problem is? It is simply because we don't know the God that we have believed. And because we don't know the God that we have believed, we don't even know how to walk with him. We don't even know how to relate with him. That's why I asked you the other day that how many of you have signed up to go to Bible school? How many of you here want to go to Bible school? Because you're thinking, I don't think that for Pastor Mark and his people. No, it's not for that. But how are you going to know the laws of your God? How are you going to know what your father thinks about you? How are you going to know what Jesus says about a particular matter? How will you know his will for your life? How will you know when it is his will for you to marry or not? How will you know when he wants you to go to this school or not? How will you know? If you don't invest time in knowing how your father thinks. You tell me which child is comfortable going one year without hearing the voice of their father. Even call them by the name just once. Just once. That's why the subject of faith, it is impossible for me to talk about the subject of faith if I don't tell you about your father. If I don't tell you about your God, the Lord your God, it's impossible. So now we, we tell people in the church that, oh, you need to believe. You, we need to believe, but we have to be able to say that there's a problem. A fundamental problem is that we are trying to live under two systems. And it's not possible. It is either you're of the world or you're of the Lord. It's that simple. You can't subscribe to two laws any more than you can be in two places. You can't. You can't be in New York and be in Kampala at the same time. And you can't eat a change. There are foods you cannot come and ask for here in Kampala if you're from New York. You have to eat Luwombo. You need to eat the things we eat. It's the same way you cannot go from here to New York and you say they give me a shabu. And you're mad and you're in a shop. Don't you see that you're real mad? You go to a shop and you're saying you must give me a shabu and give it to me today, here, now. Why are you segregating me? Everybody will look at you and, and they say, really? You want Molokon in New York? Molokon, are you seeing? Let's be frank. But it's the same thing here. You're a believer, but just how much of salvation do you know? How much of the Lord your God do you know? Do you even know about angels? Do you know about the Holy Spirit? Do you know about Jesus? Do you know about the blood? Do you know about his word? The gifts of the spirit? There's so much. There is so much. But just how much do you know about that? When you go to pray, is God listening or he's not? Do you have the assurance that God is listening? But it's in his word. It's just in his word. Many people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, you are seated. Uh, believers, do you have any idea how believers fear witch doctors? Do you know how believers fear demons? But it's supposed to be the other way around. Because if Satan was defeated 2,000 years ago, then what are you doing being afraid of a witch doctor living in a community? That is when a believer is supposed to go in front of the shrine and say, as surely as the Lord lives, there will be no shrine in this place by the time I wake up in the morning. It's as simple as that. The angels of God will evict him. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to lift a panga to chase anybody. The angels of God will chase him. He will not even know how he's running. But you see, how will we be able to do great exploits for the Lord if we don't know him? Just how? Now we are talking about faith, the subject of faith. But see, faith is a product of a relationship with God. You cannot believe in somebody unless you know him. How will you believe in Jesus Christ unless you, don't, you know him? How will you believe in the God you've never met? How will you believe in a God you've never spent time seeking? 
How will you believe in a God you don't spend time talking to? How will you hear his voice if you're not committed to talking to him every day? How? Just how? So, so my question to you is, just how much of this word of God do you actually know? Just how much? Your children, do you teach them to live their lives according to the word of God? Do you teach them to love other people? Do you teach them to build their lives entirely on the word of God? Do you teach them to be respectful according to the word of God? Do you teach them to give according to the word of God? Do you teach them to be hospitable according to the word of God? Do you open your doors for strangers or your doors are only for your family and your children? When are you going to host Jesus Christ in your home? When? When will you host Jesus if your door is always closed? But it's in the word of God. I believe in miracles because I've studied them here and I've seen that God can do them. And the Bible guarantees me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, is the same today, and the same forever. So I believe in miracles because I know that the same Jesus who did the miracles then will still do them today. It's not a crime to believe in miracles. But if you don't believe in healing, if you don't believe in miracles, if you don't believe in the prophetic, it's because you have not yet encountered the Son of God. So this book of the law, the Lord said to Joshua, it shall not depart from your mouth. He said, you shall meditate upon it day and night. Day, so that you may be careful to observe and to do according to exactly everything written in here. Do you know the day you get, you start to become peaceful. Can I tell you that secret? The day you begin to become peaceful is the day you make a decision and say, I am going to live my life entirely on the word of God. What the Lord says, do not worry, you should not worry. What the Lord says, thou shalt not fear, you will not fear. Where the Lord says, you will not doubt, you will not doubt. Where the Lord says, you will borrow from none, but you will lend to many nations, you will stop borrowing that day. The reason why you still borrow, it is because you have not read the word of God. Because as sure as God lives, he will supply your need. You think that God wants you to borrow? And yet he says that you will borrow from none and you lend to many? Do you really think that God would contradict his word? Do you really think that God wants you to be the last and yet he says that you will be the head and not the tail? You will be the first and not the last? Do you really think that God will contradict his word? God will not contradict his word. He will not contradict himself. If there's anybody who contradicts himself, it's you. It is entirely on you. It's not about God. So where are you standing with Jesus Christ? You will not appreciate the things of the Spirit unless you understand them from his word first. You won't even believe him. You think you'll believe the Lord? You will never believe the Lord. You think, it's, you think you'll have faith? You will not have faith until you begin to draw close to God. It will be difficult for you to have faith. And yet, the Lord has given us liberty that we can actually ask for anything and he gives it to us. On the day, if you really want to know that there can be a shift in the realm of the spirit, make a decision and you say, from today, I will live my life entirely, entirely on what the word of God says. Do you know? You will look at life differently. You will look at failures differently. You will look at, as a matter of fact, you will look at failures as stepping stones. You will look at obstacles as opportunities for you to exercise great faith. I will tell you that. That's how I live my life. When there is a delay, I know that there's something I'm not seeing happening in heaven because the delay may be on earth. Now, what you consider a delay on earth in heaven is different. The Bible says Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. But in, when you read that Bible, the Bible says that the Lord, and the Lord sent Joseph ahead of them. But you see, in the natural system, the man was actually betrayed and sold. But the, in, the, in the other system, the Bible says that the Lord says, and I sent my servant ahead. Imagine, heaven sends, earth executes differently. Are you seeing the difference? So we see things differently. Now the man is arrested, put in jail for nothing. And yet in the jail is exactly where God 
wanted him to be. Do you actually know that if Joseph had not ended up in the pole where he was, in the prison dungeon where he was, he would never have met the baker and the butler, the cupbearers of the king. Do you know that? He never would have because God did not ordain for them to meet on the streets. Heaven did not ordain for them to meet in the palace. No. Heaven had planned for them to meet when these two men are not busy serving the king. Heaven had ordained that they would meet in a prison hall. In a pri- Can you imagine the wisdom of God? In a prison hall. Now, the day you understand the rules of heaven, that you are born again, then you will thank God for everything that has happened in your life up until this point. Now, you, you, you learn to stop getting frustrated. You learn to throw your hands up and say, oh, me, I'm finished. Oh, years have gone. Things are so bad. You will stop doing that. Do you know why you stop doing that? You stop doing that for one simple reason. Because you subscribe to a different system. What the earth calls delay, heaven calls something else. Now you imagine, if Joseph had been mad with God, if Joseph had just been mad with God, oh, you abandoned me, all those dreams you gave me, they were fake. Do you know how many times you have complained to the Lord? And you have said, Lord, what about this dream? What about this vision? What about this prophetic word? Now you see how my situation is bad. But Joseph didn't say that. As a matter of fact, Joseph just remained calm and he was in the prison until the day these two men have dreams. Imagine these two men have dreams. God gives Joseph the interpretation. These men indeed are released from prison. One is executed, one is restored, but they forget the man. They didn't forget him. You know why? Because their time had not come. Until the appointed time when the Lord gives the Pharaoh a dream. Now when the Pharaoh gets a dream, there's only one man who can interpret it. The man who is in the dungeon. And the interpretation came by who? By the Lord. The Lord, the same God gave for a dream. The same God gave Joseph the interpretation. In other words, you have what I need. You have the problem. I have the solution. Are you seeing heaven? In one night, I, I love this example and I say it every time. In one night, the man comes from a prison, from being a convict on a death sentence, on a life sentence, to becoming a prime minister in one night. You will never see that anywhere in the world. It only happens with God. So why, where are the delays right now? What, what hasn't worked out right now? If, only, if you be honest right now, if you had gotten married to that man that you really wanted to get married to, chances are you would not be where you are now. You get what I'm saying? Maybe if you had gotten that job that you so desperately wanted to get, maybe you wouldn't even be in church today. Maybe you wouldn't be believing now. I don't know if the things are making sense. So in other words, I'm saying is that there's a system of how things work in the realm of the spirit and there's a way things work in the realm of the natural, okay? Now, when you look at things the way God looks at things, you will appreciate every stage. You'll thank God for every delay. That's why I always say, don't worry. Everything will work out. Just wait. You wait on the Lord. Everything will work out eventually. I used to get so worked out. I would want, want things to work my way. No, I don't look at life like that anymore. I look at life eventually based on the word of God. If things don't work out today, I will not stop believing that they may work out tomorrow. I know that what my God is doing is that he's doing something in the background that my normal eyes cannot see. That's what I know. So while the whole world was seeing Joseph betrayed, God was seeing a servant he has sent. The method is different. The instruction is one. Go to Egypt. So what's happening with you and with your life right now? Chances are God is doing something in the background. That means every delay is for a reason. Every failure will work out somehow in your favor. You know, every frustration, God sees it. That means every tear that you have dropped on the ground, God has seen it. It is all taken into account. God sees it. So, now that said, what I'm saying to you today is that the subject of faith becomes irrelevant until we have completely shifted 
and we are working with God. Because if we don't make that shift and begin entirely living our lives completely as though people who have been born again, who have been redeemed and who have been delivered, there will always be a part of us which wants to look back. I thank God we're living under grace.